imposter syndrome is it's huge and it's stifling. It actually prevents people from stepping into their truth and being the best they can be, not a perfect person, but the best that they can be day in and day out. Welcome to Spark Joy, the podcast dedicated to celebrating the Kamari method and the transformative power of surrounding yourself with joy and letting go of all the rest. With your hosts and certified Kamari consultants, Kristen Ivey and Karen Sochi. And now, here's the show. Our guest today is Jerry Emeka. Jerry is a keynote speaker, performer, and facilitator who enjoys lighting a spark in people's eyes. He helps you conceive the man or woman that you're trying to truly be and realize that in order to make a change in the world, you must first reimagine your conception of self and hold that as if it's already happened. I met Jerry at a networking group for Chicago entrepreneurs called Lighthouse Squad, led by Saya Hillman, who we chatted with in SparkJoy episode 54. He's an ideas guy, so he's going to be helping us harness our imagination and creativity so that we can let go of limiting beliefs when faced with any goal, including getting organized and tidying up. Welcome to SparkJoy, Jerry. Yo, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Hi, welcome to Spark Joy, Jerry. Hi, Karen. So we're so happy to have you here. Yeah, one of the first things we always like to start with is kind of the how you got to where you are. And you you facilitate conversations about authenticity, clarity, and purpose. And not only that, but you've worn many hats. You, you're a singer, an actor, and a radio personality. Mm-hmm. I'm going to guess there's some interesting stories behind how you became who you are today. Could you share a little bit about what your background? Yeah. So I'm a first generation Nigerian. I was raised in Sugarland, Texas, and I've always been somewhat of a kind of outlier, goofball, people pleaser type of person, right? And growing up, I had always been different than most kids you know, at my schools and everything, it led me to a place to where I was just entertaining folks and just making people smile because it, <laughs> in a way, it kept people from um, knowing that I was really just super shy and introverted and things like that. It just, you know, made me more different than I already was being like one of the only black people in a predominantly white area in uh, Texas. And so it just made people like me. But growing up into that, I realized how much I actually enjoyed entertaining. So I did everything from, you know, singing and doing theater, doing show choir and stuff like that, eventually getting to a place to where like I sang on Carnegie Hall. And wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And ended up uh, auditioning for some like pre American Idol TV shows and stuff. And uh Then I went to college when that part of my life failed. My dad was like, no, you're going to school. And so I went to a small liberal arts college and um, I don't know, fell in love with radio and did college radio. It was a super success there. Ended up working for Clear Channel Radio after that and became a bit of a local celebrity, if you will, and just loved radio. And I did that for years. 
And then I realized how much I didn't like corporate America. Well, I wouldn't say corporate America, but I didn't like corporate radio for sure. And I quit and then started pursuing acting as a career, which is a great you know choice. And uh, moved to New York City and lived there for about seven years or so. Fairly okay actor, you know, got paid every now and again to be on stage or do work with funny or die or college humor and things like that and um, produce shows myself. And I actually helped um, run two startup companies and at the same time had a dog walking business and I was producing shows pretty much like every night in New York City going along with being an actor. And then I had serious burnout and I just couldn't take it and moved back home to Houston. Around when I started having my burnout is when I actually started working on who it is that I am and what it is that I want to create for myself. When I moved to Houston, I became an artistic director of a theater. And that's when I really started coalescing on who it is that I am here on this planet to be. And it wasn't until maybe last year that I decided that being a public speaker and speaking about the imagination is my calling. But I mean, I gave y'all real, real cliff notes (laughs) leading up to this, to this very now moment. Wow. Such a interesting path. So many directions. A lot of directions. All very relevant, though, to what you're doing now. It's so interesting how uh, we think that we want to do one thing and then it just moves us in another direction and then another direction, another direction Mm -hmm. until we land on something that we're passionate about. And your passion is imagination, as you mentioned. And I think that's so interesting how that tool can be applied to so many different layers of your life. And you've really found a way to apply it to goal setting, which we're really interested in since, of Mm -hmm. course, tidying up is a huge goal and a huge project to achieve. And I imagine creativity and imagination would come in handy there. Definitely. So my biggest message that I have for people is that imagination creates reality. Everybody's had those or heard the thought or that thoughts create things, which I agree with. But I actually believe that even before you can have a thought, you have to imagine something. And the idea is that there's not one thing that exists in this world that wasn't first imagined, whether it's the clothes that you're wearing to the point of someone had to have imagined putting you know, sleeves on the shirt in a particular way with a particular type of stitching to the way your apartment is laid out, even though you might not have consciously imagined it, it is the way it is because you have a concept of yourself and you've imagined a concept of yourself that will play out inevitably in your life. So people are constantly imagining whether they know it or not. And once you've realized that you're imagining you can use that as a tool to reimagine what you want and start to see it out picture in your actions and your beliefs and your thoughts in the way you, you speak and the way you clean your home. As I'm speaking about this, I'm thinking about a time when I, I was very messy. I had papers just 
out the wazoo all over the place. And it caused me a lot of stress. This is when I was living in New York. And I realized that there was a reason why I was believing that, that I'm the type of person that keeps a clutter. And so I had to start reimagining what clutter meant to me. I obviously had some sort of relationship with clutter. So I had to start asking myself certain questions like, who do I have to be in order to live a clutter-free life? Now, it helped, but then it ended up, you know, shifting into another realm of my life, which was online. So I have like tabs open on my, on my Chrome <laughs> platform and stuff like that. Or, you know, maybe I it, it, it comes to forming a relationship with somebody else who might have clutter. So I haven't necessarily completely reimagined that for myself. But at the end of the day, it is within before it is without. So the onus is on me to change before I can see the world change. I really like what you were just saying about being able to imagine a space being different than it is right now. And Mm -hmm. when I think about our work with clients, a lot of times it's just being able to look at a space and imagine what it could be like. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times if you're living in a space and you're feeling really bombarded and overwhelmed with information or things or any kind of content that it's really hard to kind of get to that place where you can imagine anything different. Yeah. But I agree that change really doesn't start until you've, you've captured an imagination about something that could be different. Yeah. So it's a very salient point to say that, well, yeah, sure. You can like look at your mess and be like, and just imagine that it's, it's clean. And then you, wake up the next day and it's not clean, right? (laughs) (laughs) But it really just boils down to a belief system. You have a belief of yourself and your space and thusly, that's what you're going to see. So a very practical way of looking at it and not letting the outside weigh you down is actually, again, coming right back inside. So mindfulness helps out with that. I watched the first episode on Netflix and I was like, oh my God, that's just like what you would do with mental diets. (laughs) Where it's, you know, you find yourself like, are these thoughts actually serving me? Do these thoughts that I hold, do these beliefs that I hold actually spark joy in my life? I love that concept of, you know, doing it with clothes and stuff. But to ask yourself, does this piece of clothes bring me joy is exactly the same type of question I would ask somebody. It's like, well, what do you want? And they'll tell me, oh, I want a clean home. And I was like, okay, well, who would you have to be? Is the question I would ask them. It's like, mm-hmm. who would you be and who would you have to be in order for that to be there? The way to use your imagination to help you create the reality that you want is it really boils down to three to four steps that are super easy. One, it's to know what your desire is, to know what it is that you want, and the more specific, the better. And then it's to devise a scene that would imply that that desire has been fulfilled. Okay? So what I mean by that is you want to have a clean home, right? What would somebody say to you had you been living in your house tidy for a year, what type of conversations would you have? And I would imagine that someone would say as simple as, oh my God, your house is so clean. I can't believe it. I don't know if you're the type of person who's kind of cocky about things, you'd probably respond 
very cocky or if you were somebody who's just super excited that this person noticed that you're keeping a clean home, then you would respond, you know, accordingly. But it's got to be something real, like Mm -hmm. something that you would believe would actually happen had the wish been fulfilled. Right. And then third, and this is the most important step, is every night before you go to bed, you would replay that scene that implies that the wish is fulfilled. And what that's actually doing is programming your subconscious mind and taking that into the dream world where your subconscious is actually figuring out ways to get your conscious mind to move in a way that would allow you to do it with ease. Because what's going on is you see your untidy space and you go to bed being like, I live in an untidy space and this gives me stress. So you wake up the next day and and you will outpicture what you put to sleep with you. Does that make sense to you too? Yeah. Yeah. So basically then this is kind of this idea that you talk about, about how most people think of their desired goals instead of Mm -hmm. from their goals. Exactly. Totally ties in with that. A lot of people think of what they want, which a lot of times actually just brings a lot of stress to folks Mm -hmm. and they feel overwhelmed or anxiety comes about or they might even take care of the problem, but the problem will come back and persist, right? Sure. So they actually haven't dealt with the core issue, the core cause. The cause of the phenomenon of life that I've come to understand is your subconscious mind. Whether it's money, relationships, health, those three things all come out in picture in the real world. And so how you go to bed at night, the way you go to sleep at night, and the things you think about as you fall asleep at night will cause you to reimagine those things the next day. So when you're thinking from the state of the wish fulfilled, You already live in a clean house. You know you live in a clean house and you can feel it. You have that sense of cleanliness. It's a part of your being just as much as I am a public speaker. I imagined I was a public speaker before I ever stepped on a stage. I had to have believed that as true for myself in order for the world to see it second. So in order for your space to change, you have to change within. So how do you change it within? By going to bed, knowing that you are the person that you at one point wanted to be. It's almost like affirmations, but in the form of like almost writing a little scene of a play for yourself where you've completed this goal and you're having the conversations that you're going to have when you've shifted your lifestyle and you're speaking it into a existence, but not in the form of just stating it, which is similar to just saying that you want to do something. Mm-hmm. Not that you you have achieved your goal and you not only have achieved your goals, but here's the scenario. This is how it would play out kind of thing. Yeah. One of the things that gets me about affirmations is a lot of times they're just words. Mm-hmm. They're not actually evoking any emotion inside of you. And so when it comes to playing a scene, you know, we're always, believe it or not, I mean, think about it. You could be reimagining any story in your life. If I asked you to 
for a childhood story, you could probably immediately feel like you were right back then when you were 13 years old and crushing on some boy, right? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I can kind of remember that. You can kind of remember that. But I mean, it would have to be something that was obviously like a visceral emotion in you. Like the first time you... First kiss. There's, yeah. Your first mm-hmm. kiss. I mean, I don't know, you know, what strikes an emotion in you or your first concert mm-hmm. or, you know, something that was just a memory that was real. You could actually play that scene over and over again and feel that joy that you had or that nervousness you had. Yeah. Well, you can do that for things that haven't actually been created yet, too. And in doing that, that's how you implant things into your subconscious mind. So it's the same thing with seeing your messy home and you're going, oh, you're overwhelmed. That emotion that you have for that overwhelm and you go to bed feeling overwhelmed, you're planting that in your subconscious mind and it's coming back out. So doing an affirmation isn't necessarily doing anything to shift that because you're still thinking and imagining that you have a messy home and these affirmations might actually only be confirming that you live in a messy home and you're just saying these words to try to stamp down how you're actually feeling about something. But if you can step into a scene where you're actually walking through or having a conversation with or smelling or doing something that would imply that the wish is fulfilled, it's all the difference. And then, of course, you can have your affirmations like when you wake up in the morning and you're looking at yourself in the mirror, trying to pump yourself up for the day and all those good things. But again, I'm really big on planting that seed right before you fall asleep. And the reason why I'm big on it is because I've tested it (laughs) (laughs) on myself and with others. I've asked others to to practice it. And, you know, it's created some amazing things for my life that I I can't deny anymore where I'm like, yeah, mm, imagination really does create reality. And uh, I mean, here's a perfect example. This isn't a tidying story, but... um, the apartment that me and my fiance live in now, before we moved in here, we were living in a one bedroom, one bath apartment that had a really small, I'm talking about a really small kitchen. And we both love to cook with each other and things like that. And I mean, we could barely get past each other and we're always you know, like bumping into each other. It was just awful. It was just, it made for very awkward cooking situations. And we would imagine the type of apartment that we had, right? It was going to be large and there would be an island and there would be space for us to move around and all this stuff. And like I said, in my description of how to do this, I devised a scene that would imply that we lived in this big apartment that we wanted to live in, that we desired. And that simple scene was a conversation with people who would come over and they would say, oh my God, your place is so big. And then my response wouldn't even be a verbal response. It would actually just be a smirk like, yeah, I know. Right. And I would play that over and over and over and over again. Well, we now live in that apartment. And literally, whenever somebody comes over to our place, they literally say that same phrase. And either Stephanie or myself have that smirk of (laughs) there it is. You know, there's that there's that implication that we're. We've gotten our wish and it applies to so many things. I mean, I've manifested trips. I've manifested jobs. It's an amazing tool that I honestly don't know why more people don't know about it. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, I think it's one of those things. It's kind of like Kanmari where we see it very clearly and we see like, does it spark joy being this this simple question or or imagination creates your reality being a simple idea, right? But it's harder to execute or harder to make a habit and certain things get in the way, especially limiting beliefs for sure. Yeah, for sure. The one I'm thinking of the most is just imposter syndrome. And that shows up in so many places in social media and friendships and business and sometimes even in the context of our home. So it seems almost like it's the default. Like we just assume that everyone else is so much smarter, better or more perfect. You know, why can't my home look like Marie Kondo's home? And we don't even know what Marie Kondo's home looks like. But we assume that she has it all and she's figured it all out. But in reality, we're all trying to figure life out together. And I would love if you could help us like better define this whole idea of imposter syndrome and how we can be really more aware of when those feelings are showing up. Yeah. Imposter syndrome. I definitely suffer from imposter syndrome, <laughs> even though I'm a proponent of imagination creates reality. It, it's always a reminder whenever I come into these pitfalls, I sometimes I call myself bumped into comparing myself with others or feeling like everything needs to be perfect or that nobody else has issues. I'm literally the only human being on the face of this earth that has ever had an issue and will ever have an issue, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's something that I believe that people who are high achievers struggle with. Yeah. You know, and that could be just in the sense of people who are really into self development or career development or family development, even. You know, there are a lot of mothers out there that don't think that there are good moms. And they find themselves on Instagram scrolling through feeds, seeing all these perfect images and, you know, great outfits and beautiful children that are just smiling. And they'll come home and it's just, Uh, screaming and you're not doing enough of this and that and this and that. And then, of course, you have your internal dialogue that's also beating yourself up. Imposter syndrome, is it's huge and it's stifling. It actually prevents people from stepping into their truth and being the best they can be. Not a perfect person, but the best that they can be day in and day out. The question, does it spark joy, is a simple one, but not so easy to execute alone. Extend your tidying experience by joining the Spark Joy Club, our online community filled with our clients, fellow listeners, and Kamari enthusiasts ready to support your journey. If you find yourself buried under clothing, stuck on storage, or pointing fingers at untidy housemates or family members, we want to help you finish your tidying journey once and for all. Support the show at the Joy Riser level and receive access to our exclusive virtual community, as well as the Tidy Home Joy Journal, your number one tidying companion. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click on Join the Club to get started. And now back to the show. So I found that there's five uh, uh, core competencies. There's uh, the perfectionist, which is someone who finds success rarely satisfying because they believe they could have done it better. It's just like, oh, man, it's like it wasn't enough. Yeah. 
there's a sense of not enoughness, right? It could be cleaner. I could have done it faster. I could have said that one line. I forgot that one part. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's always something. And then there's um there's the superwoman, superman. They're the ones who actually push themselves to work harder and harder and harder to measure up. Uh, remember I was telling that story of uh, burnout that I had when I lived in New York City when I, mm-hmm. was, I literally I I had 10 shows a week helping run two businesses that weren't mine but other people's businesses running my own dog walking business. Oh, I forgot to even say that I was also a nanny. Wow. <laughs> it was nuts. It was all because I felt like I needed to prove something to my dad, right? So it was like working harder and harder so I could measure up that like I could show could show my father that I was like, I'm successful. I can work hard. I can do this, right? So that's mm-hmm. the Superman, Superwoman. And then there's the natural genius. Um, and those are the types that judge themselves based on getting things right on the first try. So, you know, this could be big on the Marie Kondo folks, in that a lot of people will start a task or start a job or start a project. And because it wasn't done exactly by the model or by the map that was laid out for them, they feel like they're not doing good. And so a lot of times what will happen with those folks is don't just stop. Mm-hmm. They won't continue on the project. And so, you know, I don't know if y'all run into these clients, but are there clients for you guys that start a working with y'all and then kind of just stop in their tracks and everything is even worse than it was before it even started? It's more of a a continuous kind of self-doubt sometimes. And sometimes we even get to a point, I, I know with some of my clients where they get to a certain level of the process and they stall a little bit in terms of like completing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. So even when when the evidence is there that things are improving, there can be some delays and it not necessarily self-sabotage, but some idea that's been planted that this isn't done exactly to the book. Therefore, it's not right. Rather than accepting this is what's right for me, you know, kind of thing. It's just part of the process, right? Yep. So yeah, those folks would be natural geniuses. Mm-hmm. And I'll finish my five. So there's the soloist. And then there's also the expert. So the soloist is uh, feels as though asking for help reveals their phoniness. And I, I would assume that the folks working with y'all probably don't deal with that one too much. And then there's the expert that they fear being exposed as inexperienced or unknowledgeable. And uh, I think I fall into that category as well, where, I mean, honestly, even before this call, I was like, oh, God, why am I even doing this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I'm, I got nothing. I have nothing to share with you guys, but I obviously do. So it's there. But there are ways to overcome these imposter syndrome, which is really what I would like to talk about. Not so much who the imposters are and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's really important to have that self-awareness so that we know and can name this thing that is so so vague in a way, imposter syndrome. Um, so that's really helpful to break down those five signs. So yeah, let's shift into some ways that we can overcome this or even avoid it completely. Well, I don't know if you can avoid it completely. I haven't yet. 
And if someone out there knows how I can get over this, like now, <laughs> that would be a help. I mean, you know, my work with the imagination definitely helps. But yeah, ways to overcome it. First and foremost, I think this is key is to stop comparing yourself. Stop looking at what another person is doing as the ideal because one that just strips you of all your power. It gives your power away to other people. And it means that you're not actually taking note of who you are and what you've, what you've done and accomplished in life to get you there. Because if you actually just look at your life, you've lived an amazing life. There's no way you got to this point in life had you not been an awesome person. And to look at somebody else and compare yourself to somebody and doubt yourself because of that is a form of self-destruction. Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson said, uh, envy is ignorance. If you're envying somebody and grass is greener and all that stuff, that means you're totally ignoring everything that makes you awesome. If you see somebody as awesome, is it possible for you to not necessarily compare yourself to them, but say, oh, you know what? If they can do it, surely I can do it, you know, as opposed to, oh, they can do it. I'll never be able to do that. So true. That's so interesting. I mean, first and foremost, I think that's just the quick question that you can always ask yourself. It's like, if they are doing it, can't I do it? It's just a simple stop and, and check yourself, you know, check how awesome you are. Or if they can oh, do I it, that. I can do it. Right? <laughs> if they can do it, I can do it. And honestly, anything anybody is doing, you can do. It might take you some time, but it took them time. Yeah. You know, but, you know, grass is always greener, but it doesn't have to be. I think there's also something to this idea that, you know, yes, I would like to be a rock and roll star. And then you think, okay, well, what does that mean? What would that mean that I would have to do and be different? What would have to be different in my life? What what kind of dedication would I have to to make toward this? And yes. sometimes when you start realizing what it would take, you recognize that that's not really what you want after all. Exactly. That there's something about that image that is provoking some kind of desire, but mm -hmm. that just as you said, when you think about the work that's involved in achieving something like that, or even obviously something much more modest, it really, mm -hmm. sometimes it comes down to what is it that you really want to do? And, and I think that really ties in very nicely with this idea in Kanmari of having a vision for yourself going forward. Definitely. And that vision for yourself going forward, again, ties back into the imagination. It's like, well, what do you want? Yeah. You might admire something in somebody and take that on as envy. It's like, oh, man, they have such a sweet life. But you could also just say, it's like, well, what is it that you see in them that you can embody? You probably see joy in that person. You probably see confidence. You know, those are things that we can all embody, right? But the material thing that you're looking at might not necessarily be the thing that you're looking for. Wow, such a good point. Yeah, because a lot of times you just get trapped in, in, you know, keeping up with the Joneses and you're, <laughs> you're not actually paying attention to what you want. Right. You know, you don't realize that what you see in them is what you need to see in yourself. Oh, that's perfect. I love that. So this has been really enlightening. We would definitely like to know what is sparking the most joy for you in your life at this very moment. 
My son? Ah. <laughs> yeah, he's 23 months old right now, and he is, oh, God, he's such a goof. And when I'm down, he just has such a zest for life that you can't, you can't ignore it. And, you know, I, I don't know if this is oversharing, but I'm very open about my relationship and my fiance and I, we got in a, into a tiff this evening and even in the middle of our tiff, like this dude is just like, like <laughs> just walking around and destroying things and you couldn't help but smile and like, look at, you know, I'm looking at stuff and I'm like, oh gosh, you know. You know, what's the point of like getting on this? Let's solve this problem. And he, he brings joy to my life. It, it's just so simple. He just, he sees the simple things in life and you can't help but stop and notice the simple things yourself, you know? Like right now he just, he sees planes in the sky and he's just like, <laughs> oh, oh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's a plane. I'm like, man, I wish I could just start noticing things that simply, right? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing so, how kids really see the joy in absolutely everything. Yeah, in everything. Yeah, and then one day he's going to be a teenager, and that's going to be another story. <laughs> <That's> so true. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jerry, do you have any parting words of wisdom for our listeners? Hey, man, I just I think everybody's wonderful the way they are, and if they want to change change the world, I mean, I know. Michael Jackson is really controversial right now, but his messages have always rung true to me, which is if you want to make the world a better place, you got to take a look at yourself and make the change. And it all boils down to that. You can't just take actions coming out of a place of fear because you're only going to perpetuate more of the thing that you don't like. And so my biggest message to all people is just reimagine who you are and step into that reality and let that objectively show up for others to see. Oh, that's great. Jerry, thank you so much. Yeah, not a problem. You guys are wonderful. Thank you for your time. And uh, I really hope this was helpful for folks. To connect with Jerry, visit jerryemeka.com. And that's J-E-R-R-Y-E-M-E-K-A.com. So now we want to hear from you. Tell us your burning tidying questions or share stories about how Kanmari has impacted your life. Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and review the show, which helps us reach others along their tidying journeys. To extend your tidying experience, you can join the Spark Joy Club. Visit sparkjoypodcast.com and click join the club to become a member of the Spark Joy community, or you can join us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope your day sparks joy. Thank you for listening to Spark Joy with your hosts, Kristen Ivey of For the Love of Tidy in Chicago and Karen Sochi of The Serene Home in New York City. Spark Joy, the podcast, is not endorsed by or affiliated with Kamari Media Inc. The opinions expressed on this episode represent the views of the co-hosts and guests alone and do not represent the corporate position of Kamari Media Inc. or the Kamari Consultant Community.